information's power and knowledge and it's an asset which still hasn't got a value as we all know but I'm sure it's highly valuable um, but it's hard to actually put a value to it as I'm talking a dollar figure but it's just it's just so important because they can't function and as I said it's till a disaster occurs or something of some inquiry or some major issue occurs is not when they start to realise it. They realise how important that records and information management is. So. This is the Zero Hour brought to you by Safeguard Cyber. I'm George Comedy. I'm Ashley Stone. And today's guest is Anne Cornish, the general manager of RIMPA, which stands for the Records and Information Management Professionals of Australasia, a professional association for records management employees in the part of the world that arguably has the strictest information governance laws on the planet. She brings so much passion and joy to a topic that people may assume to be less sexy, but she argues that it is very sexy. Um, Information is power, and it's really interesting to hear the way she simplifies the complex tasks that record record managers take on. Yes, and for our uh, Australian and New Zealand listeners, there's a lot to learn here. She's got a great perspective. And then uh, even for our other global listeners, there is a lot of parallel here between the problems that records managers face, both internally and externally, and also those of security professionals. So well worth a listen. Um, But without further ado, let's get into it with Anne Cornish. Welcome to the podcast, Anne Cornish. Thank you for calling in from Australia. Pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Um, Great. So for the benefit of our listeners, you are currently the general manager at uh, RIMPA, which is a big Australia, Australasia professional services organization for records and information management professionals. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about RIMPA's mission at large? Yes, sure. So um, as you mentioned, WIMP is a trans-Tasman organisation, so we cover New Zealand and Australia. So we're the peak industry body for records and information management. Um, Besides advocacy, which is probably, it is one of our core um, functions, we focus on obviously connecting and networking our members. Mm -hmm. And we also um, have a major focus on professional development. And on top of that, we also like to expose our members to um, vendors and their vendor services. So that's one of our other core pillars in our, our strategic plan. Great. That's um, when you say advocacy, could you uh, elaborate a little bit on that? Does that is that from a policy standpoint or trying to increase awareness at like the corporate governance level? It's probably, I cannot be honest, I'll be honest with you, in the last 12 months, my prime role in advocacy has been around the education space. So we've got quite a few universities at the moment uh, that are looking at from, from a, um, sorry, using business decisions or business reasons, I should say, um, not actually offering the courses that have been on offer previously due to the lack of numbers. So Wimper, um, working in with two other organisations, which is the Australian Society of Archivists and ALIA, which is our library association, uh, we've been working together collaboratively to try and work with the universities to maintain and keep these courses going. Um, on top of that, 
we've also been working with um, an organisation called the Associations for Professions. It's like, so it's an association for professional associations, <laughs> and um, as you do, and we've been working with them, and that's at a government level, again, in the education space. So it's about, um, especially through COVID, we've had some recent advocacy about offering job placements, you know, like when you right. part of your course is to actually do, uh, as you know, on-site placements and during COVID, that hasn't been possible. So we've been working with the government to work out, to decide how we can um, uh, sort of offer a virtual type placements where they work on projects in a virtual environment so to so that they don't have to extend their courses um, and, and work through that. So that's the sort of advocacy I've been working primarily on. The other types of advocacy that I do work with is when state records office do change policies. Um, just to give you the Australian setup. We're made up of um, numerous um, states and territories and each one of them has their own State Records Act. And so, so my job is not just one, it's, it's multiplied by eight, um, which can make it quite difficult. And every time they change something, we as RIMPA are, offered, are provided with an opportunity to comment on those policies or pieces of legislation. So I've had a couple of those in the last 12 months as well. And I'm not saying major changes. We've had some, um, um, sorry, some combinations or some combining, I suppose, or proposed combining of uh, library services and state record services into one building. Um, so that means that it's about it's about the library and the state library and national archives or archive, you know, the state archives office in one building. And as you can imagine, some people aren't happy with that because mm -hmm. that means that you know the library takes over and that the state records doesn't get all the glory. And so that, that those types of things. So yeah, so I could probably go on about advocacy, George, but I won't because that's taken <laughs> enough of your time. <laughs> well, I I love the way that you're talking about it. It's clear that you're so you're very passionate about what you do. What yep. what brought you into this industry and what aspect of it do you enjoy the most? Um, the truth about being what I what brought me into this industry, I, I actually just by default, I didn't choose it. Um, so the job, the deal was by mum when I was very young. Um, was you either have a job or you go to school. And the local council where we lived had a, a two-week opening for a filing clerk, believe it or not, when mm -hmm. I was 16 years old. And I never left that organisation and ended up being the records manager and starting a, a Victorian records group and all the rest of it when I was there. And um, it, it just formed a passion for it. So I never, ever went back to school to do any... Oh, sorry, I did side school, but never actually went back. I was going to be an accountant, believe it or not. And I actually hate figures. Um, <laughs> I don't know what made me do that. So, yeah, so that was the deal. So I just really fell into it, loved it, um, worked in local government, really good grounding for records managers. Um, local government's a very diverse business here in Australia where they manage roads to community services, health services, animal management, regulatory services. So I really got a really broad range of records, if that makes sense, in a local government environment. Um, so that was that sort of set me up for the rest of my 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 career, I suppose. So yes, wow, I um, love that. Yeah, very passionate. I, and I'll tell you, my biggest passion is that I've always known that it's been the the bottom of the ladder or the bottom of the rung here in Australia, especially when I started in the I won't tell you what year, what the decade in the eighties <laughs> <laughs> when I started. It was sort of deemed the area where you put the people, the employees that you didn't have anywhere else for them to go, or you put the new um, junior students in. Uh, sorry, junior students. Well, they used to do. That's what I started in. Is I got a a job as a um, used to have to put five juniors on that have just come out of school into government mm -hmm. and they just sort of put you into the records area and that's where I started 
but I, my challenge has been and my passion has been to make it and escalate that profile all through the last 35 plus years. And I think we're, we're, we're getting there. It's taken a while, um, but I did it within the organisation that I started in. So as I said, it was, you know, located in the basement and the records area at that, that council that I worked for after 10 and a half years ended up being fairly predominant and well-respected area. So that's always been my challenge. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we'll get to this in a, a moment for sure, but the new digital communication technologies basically produce communications that need to be recorded, but they produce it at such a volume and velocity that it's only natural that I think the profile of records management will will come up because it's no longer operating at like, here's an application, here's a, a paper envelope. I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of message conceivably a day in a single platform, right? So uh, yeah. being able to, to keep that um, straight is important. <laughs> Which actually brings me to the next question. So I would say the, it's pretty clear that the pandemic um, has revealed a lot regarding the state of uh, systems, institutions, healthcare, and otherwise. We've seen some that were prepared, some that were underprepared. Um, from the records management side, have you seen or encountered anything to, to form an opinion as to how ready organizations were uh, to deal with sort of lockdown mandates or or what have you? Um, I have actually. So during this, um, the COVID scenario, we've been very fortunate, I suppose. Well, so for, first of all, RIMPA in, them, in their own right, probably on delay, um, had to urgently put forward a virtual platform. So it was something that was always um, on the schedule or in the strategic plan to do. Um, but we just probably was continuing with the fa- more face-to-face approach with things. Obviously, COVID allowed us to escalate or to accelerate that, I should say, and we sort of um, engaged in a virtual pr- platform really quickly, which then allowed me to speak to a lot of whole lot of members in this period in this last eight weeks via training because we've been offering virtual training, um, webinars, and just even having virtual meetings with um, our branches. Uh, I would suggest that a very unprepared George, to be quite honest, overall. I think they were like Wimper. It was always going to happen and they would mm-hmm. be more virtual. But I don't think they, I don't, I don't, let's be honest, no one was actually prepared for this type of thing to happen. But everyone's had to sort of implement this more digital approach really quickly. So if I'm going to give us some positives out of COVID, I've been speaking to quite a lot of people over the last eight weeks that have said it's been a, a bit of a blessing in disguise because some of those areas that um, they were trying to work in that from a digital transformation point of view that were reluctant or, you know, they said no, mm-hmm. um, they have been made to do it, have had no choice, and now they're okay. Do you know what I mean? They're just doing it that way. So if there's been any positives, it's been the, the ha- you had to do it that way. Yes, and um, we've referred to it as a, like a break the glass moment and, and for sure not just records. You know, companies that were hesitant in January, you know, called in March for global rollouts of technologies that they, you know, had always been on a roadmap somewhere, but they weren't quite ready to, to take the leap. And um, sometimes someone just pushes you out of the plane and you have to be ready. Yeah. It's just, it's just changed everything. I mean, you think about it like people working from home, do you really need offices as in as much as or as much mm-hmm. office space as what you used to? 
I'm still a bit of a believer in um, the, the, the person the, having personal contact with, especially in meetings and especially when you're doing strategic planning and, you know, whiteboarding and all that sort of stuff. So, and I miss the personal contact. Um, and that working from home has been fine and we've all, the, the Ripperoth has adapted to it, but I still think we, um, we're very, there's quite, you know, we're very um, um, animated and we're very vocal and we're on the spur sort of discussion people. So when an issue comes up, we talk about it immediately rather than waiting for a virtual meeting, if that makes sense. So those sorts of areas, that, that type of arrangement I've struggled with personally, and I know some of the staff has have as well. Um, but as I said, this COVID thing, as well as putting in this digital approach to things, I think is going to make people look at a whole a whole different way of doing and operating. We will. We, we now offer, um, we've been offering virtual training from RIMPA, and I used to fly around and... Um, and offer it in person, which, by the way, there was a couple of reasons for doing that, not just offerings, but training. It was about meeting the members, mm-hmm. um, getting to understand what they, you know, where they are, what what sort of hindrances they face as being a member to RIMPA, that sort of thing. So that's been a great experience. But now we're running virtual training and we're getting people from all over the world attend our training, not just those, you know, eight people that I had in the room that was located in a remote place in um, regional um, um, Victoria or, or WA. So, because imagine Australia is a very, very large country. We have lots of remote areas. Yeah. And this virtual approach now has just um, allowed them to be involved, far more involved. So, I don't know whether or not I need to travel around Australia as anywhere near as much in a plane as such, which is a very, it's a huge cost saving for us. Um, and it's cost saving for the people that attend because we don't have to charge anywhere near as much. So, it's a win win. Yes. And, and, um, you know, again, to, to speak to the virtual environment of work, you know, we have a client with 5,000 employees on Slack. And in January, those people were producing around 60,000 chat messages a, a day that we are archiving for them. It is now 120,000 a day. So just the virtual work environment is a, a connected one, but it, it sort of rapidly accelerates the need because, again, you can't walk down the hall and knock on the glass. Do you have time to meet, right? So you actually have to send these messages and, like, that level of communication just grows exponentially. Yeah, and that's the problem with information in the digital world is it's just a, it's a spiralling amount or volume of information that I personally don't think the records and information management professionals and, and any of the professionals, even IT, are actually capturing or managing effectively um, to the point where I think it's just going to get, it's out of control. So it's like when you go on Google and you get hundreds and hundreds of thousands of hits and you're like, oh my God, that's all too much. And you only look at the top five, right. most people do. You know what it's like. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what's happening in the in the in the digital world is that we're just because we can and it's easy um and in some instances it's not managed very well and then you put you know uh, you know you put products on the front of it that allows you to have a portal into every damn system that you've got in your organization to find what you're looking for what i'm saying is we're just spiraling information we're not managing it effectively and i think we're putting our organizations at risk as well by keeping far too much um, and this, yeah. this pandemic is going to prove that because lots of things that I probably would have just verbalised to my staff, I've probably now put in an email giving direction. Not that I'm saying I've said anything wrong, but if they ever want to get me on it, they can go, well, here, you said. <laughs> um, and I think that's just going to happen across the board. So, yeah, yeah. less in person and more yeah. all inviting. But lots and lots of information now. And the other thing that, um, oh, sorry, I'll, I'll put answer. You keep, you keep asking. Sorry, George. 
I'm taking over. No, no, it's great. No, we, no, we, we would love much, to hear we would much what you have to share. You. Please. Yeah. yeah. One of the biggest changes besides digital, digital transformation that I've seen over the last however many years is um, that records management, and including right now, is what happened many when I first started, records management was done by the records people and only the records people. It was a very paper environment, very manually, lots of manual tasks. Um, it's a long, long, you know, worn out process. And then with the introduction of digital and word processing and all those and computers and having a computer mm -hmm. and email on everyone's desk, um, it, that, that responsibility of records management has now devolved to everyone in an organisation. So it's not just the responsibility of one or half a dozen people. Um, I think that's been probably the biggest change that I've seen. And I don't think we've done that very well either. Again, and when I say we, the records industry, I don't think we've managed or controlled that very well we've just sort of let it happen and then trying to fix it after the fact so there's sort of the, the floodgates have opened and then we've tried to sort of rein it back in and start to say we've mm -hmm. got to manage introduction of email everyone thought that email was going to be an informal general chat type approach to things well that's not the case we're making major decisions on email um, the introduction of, um, of of social media and those sorts of things. It's just that, that's been let, let go and that we have not, aren't capturing that effectively. Even web pages and that sort of stuff or intranets. Um, I just don't believe that we as records in the records industry have been quick enough or in touch enough with the technology to stay ahead. So so the development yeah. has just been a natural thing to happen. Sorry, Ashley, go. You're, you're calling out really great points and highlighting that digital communication channels have changed everything. And I think this is really relevant to the point you made about raising the profile of records management and how vital it is to an organization with the explosion of these interactions. So if you, know, you from the records management perspective see this problem and understand it, but how do you talk to other parts of an organization and explain, explain this to them? Well, that's the hardest thing that we've probably ever had to do or we're still doing. And like I said, I don't think we've done it very well. First of all, we've got to remember we've got to take ourselves out of the basement and that, that perception that we're just the sort of the, the bottom rung of the ladder of staff. Um, so then you've got to have there's no not enough credibility to actually get your, your message across initially. Devolving out with the digital, devolving out the function, that makes you even less worthy or less needed, I suppose you could say. So some organisations looked upon records going, well, why do we need you when everyone else is, when they're all doing it themselves? Um, so to get that through, that they obviously with the terms of such as things, compliance and governance and those sorts of things have helped records and information managers because organisations are starting to realise that you can't, they did that, they devolved it out, it was an absolute mess. They've realised now that it does need to have some controls over it, does need governance, it does need to be managed correctly, it needs rules, it needs systems, it needs people that, who know what they're doing to actually manage and configure those systems and maintain those systems. So the records management, the records manager's um, skill set, in my opinion, has grown exponentially in the sense of you don't just need to be, you know, know how to use a retention and disposal schedule and how to use a classification scheme. You need to have an IT. You need to have some idea about IT systems, um, and I think more importantly that you need to have a good promotional marketing and presenter skills because you need to sell these wares. Uh, you need to sell our, our profession to to above. And and I'm a big one, and as you can imagine, because I don't mind talking, as you can tell. Um, you just you, you've got to be out there. You've got to be in their face, constantly in their face. 
telling them how important you are. You need to be involved in everything. You need to get yourself involved, whether people like it or not. Um, you know, I'm, a, I'm the records manager. I need to be involved in this meeting. I need to be involved in the purchase of that new software. I need to do, you need to market your services completely. So I think it's a whole new, and I think it's just as important as the technical side, that skill set of being able to present and market the, the actual um the industry and the profession in its own right is important. So, and to sell it, the only way to sell it is I'm a big believer telling everyone they need to be compliant. That is so boring, guys. The users do not care about <laughs> compliance. Okay. Well, so this is this is oh. actually an interesting conundrum. So, this is the first time we've talked explicitly about records management. They're very clear parallels to cybersecurity, right? Cybersecurity often thought of those are the people who say no to everything. That's the IT bunch over there, um, but they have to get in people's face. And and similar to what you were saying, these new technologies basically make security everyone's responsibility because if yep. you're the one who lets in the thing, you know, it's just as much about your awareness. Um, have you seen um, any, when we're talking about these tools, have you seen any convergence between records and security? Because if you're talking about uh, social media or you're talking about an internal collaboration thing like Microsoft Teams, it strikes me that both records and security could be buyers. They could come to the table together because they are both going to need the same set of tools, ostensibly. Yes. Yeah, no, I'm seeing, seeing it, especially of the last 12 months, and I know that's really sort of in the immediate um, immediate time, which it is, the security side and, as I said, the security and the records management and probably even some other areas, George, are coming in under that governance space. So governance is a real trendy area, a trendy thing. Security probably sits a bit higher than records management on the, on the ladder again, um, but they definitely have converged together. They have to. Um, but like you said, again, devolved out now to the business because we've mm -hmm. got systems in place to allow you to do that. And I still think there's risks involved there and I'm still not sure we're managing either security or records management from the governance end, I suppose, effectively, in my opinion. That's what I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's, anyway. yeah, that's helpful. Um, so I want to uh, change gears just a little bit um, uh, on a... You had mentioned that Rimba had adapted its office and that you had increased your virtual trainings. Has, what else has Rimba been doing as a means of continuing business through through the lockdown? Uh, so obviously webinars. We didn't conduct any webinars. They were on the roadmap to do. We didn't have any of those. Well, they've been unbelievably accepted like we've got we're having them every Wednesday um, so we started off with a virtual platform of offering them for for no cost to our members which is great um, and that can I be honest with you that was also for us to get used to running these webinars and getting the hang of it full um, transparency <laughs> yeah absolutely so we thought no we'll you know let's offer them for free while we're doing and working it out ourselves um, the team here have been sensational and they're getting everything organized uh, but besides purchasing and, and understanding the software, they spend a lot of time per week actually training the, the presenters that are coming up each week in how to use the software. I mean, because it's so new to everyone. We Very rarely do we find someone that goes, oh, no, I've done webinars before and I know how to use this because it's just that's not the case. Uh, so the girls are spending, the, the staff are spending a lot of time doing that. 
So we've had a really big uptake. But interestingly enough, we've tried. We've been doing those for about a month. Next week, we've got a paid webinar. So it's going longer than an hour so that we justify charging for it. From a rep we need to look at revenue. Um, and we've been, it's been great. It's been really well received. So we know then, so far, I think we've got over 60 people registered. We know those 60 people will attend because they've been, they've paid as well. Mm. So where you know when you get a free webinar and 150 people register, for sure. pretty much bank on about 50%. So yes. turn them up. That's, yeah, that's, about par, that's about par for the course. Yeah. Yeah. But when they start paying, which is good. So when we've got some really good speakers next week, which is great. Um, so a bit more high level like the national david fricker from national archives australia um we've also got richard foy from new zealand in the same position so yeah, that's sort of higher level and we're offering so that, yeah let's see how it goes but yeah we're doing all right the trainings the killer the virtual training has been the when i say the killer it's just we can't keep up good because they can do it wherever they are it doesn't matter anymore and i think being at home and i know this sounds silly because i certainly didn't have any more time at home i had less time mm-hmm. when i was working from home but I think people that were in the government space, maybe they couldn't, they had to work from home for social distancing purposes, but their whole job, especially in records, when you're opening physical mail and dealing with, still dealing with archive boxes and that sort of stuff, couldn't probably complete their whole job. So they had more time to train. So we've had lots of people, yeah, participate in training, which has been great. Yeah. That's great. What a great opportunity for people. It sounds like you're doing great work to share all those resources. And, you know, while you're not getting to travel as much, you, know, you talked a little bit about how it's affected your work routine. What else has changed for you working during this time? Well, working from home, Ashley, I'm sure you guys find it too. Mm-hmm. There is no um, start at 8 o'clock and finish at 5 o'clock time, mm-hmm. I've noticed. So because it's all because I'm sharing my house with my husband as well, who's also working from home. So I'm on the dining room table and he's in the office, which is fine. But that means I move from the dining room table to the couch to watch TV to the kitchen, which is to my left, to cook dinner. So I'm not really going anywhere. So as soon as I hear the computer beep, I'll go and answer an email while I'm cooking dinner. Um, so for me personally, and I know the staff here at RIMPA, because because we were setting up new platforms, probably worked astronomical amount of hours. Um, so we've moved back to the office today, guys. Today was the first day we've all Oh, congratulations. Because we can. And um, I'm going to plan on working over maybe not a... Well, we never we don't do eight hour days, but you know at least I'd, I'd be happy with a nine to ten hour day instead of a twelve or fourteen hour day, because um, we never left. You never leave the office when you're at home. That's I think that was my biggest issue. You never leave. For sure, yes. The the lines become very blurred, blurred. right? You're yep. answering a Slack message and unloading dishes at the same time. Um, yep. <laughs> so so we we do we do like to stay positive when we're talking about the pandemic. So do you have? Um, uh, a favorite memory of your time during lockdown, some bright spot, you know, a chance to connect with old friends or something. Oh, um, so some of my, one of my favorite memories is that instead of us getting together socially, cause we weren't able to for some weeks was um, we do the um, zoom cocktail party on the Friday night and with oh, all the girls, and, which was really good because I've got friends all over Australia, So, which I only see maybe once or twice a year. I've seen them more now during COVID than I ever have virtually, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so we catch up most Friday nights for a girl's drink. And then we've been playing um, couple trivia every second Saturday with friends. So each group has the op- 
has the has the responsibility of setting up a, a five round ten question trivia um, thing, which has been quite fun. So oh, we've just been good. entertained. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty I'm uh, fascinated by the human ability to adapt and I think even our company is rather distributed on a normal basis like we have an HQ but we have a lot of people out and about remotely and we have seen them more often than we ever would yeah. in terms of a, a working yeah. in the office situation. And you know what's sad? Yeah. I was thinking we've come back with COVID. Well, it's not finishing, but obviously it's you know getting better that we can start to see each other. I was one. I'm a bit worried now that those girls that I've now been seeing every Friday night that one lives in New South Wales and one lives in Victoria, I'll probably go back to seeing them once a year, which is a bit sad, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, we 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 sort of plan we're going to keep up the virtual approach, but you watch life, yeah. It'll be. I'll be able to go out soon and be able to go down to a club or a pub or and have a drink. So sitting at home watching it on the TV is not my go. Do you know what I mean? I'll probably yeah, <laughs> and I'm, and they'll be the same. So, but from yeah. a Rimper point of yeah. view, I say one of the biggest positives, and it's been so good to to demonstrate this to our to my board, is this just engagement from our regional members. Um, we've been very lucky here at Rimper. We've actually picked up new members during COVID for this very reason. That they oh, now wow. have they have access to the services where they never did before. Um, we're probably averaging about a new member a day in working days, so about five new members a week. Wow. Um, and brand new members, not yeah, brand new members, which has been great. So, oh, so it's paid for the virtual software, guys. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, That's it's been awesome. good. Yeah. Yeah. So you you had talked a little bit about how the record management industry has changed or what you've observed over the last 12 months. But I'm wondering, where do you think the direction is heading to next now that we're sort of set with what we've seen in the pandemic or a little bit more adjusted? Um, so I think records and information managers need to, as I mentioned earlier, need to really get their act together and, and use this as a um, to their advantage. Um, and use it for the to, to actually support any business cases to move into a far more digital experience for, within their organisations. Um, I don't know about you guys, but in Australia, that even though everyone's digital, there's lots of digital information. Most organisations, especially in the government sphere, are still moving to actually manage it correctly, like having having a program in place. So, as you all know, everyone goes out and they scan a bit of this and they do a bit of that. But like I said, it wasn't managed. Mm-hmm. So, putting in that governance or that management program and systems to make to work with that to sorry to manage all that information is really only commencing now and starting now. Um, some organisations are a little bit more ahead than others. This, with the COVID, I think this will just push it even quicker, as in it'll just make it happen. Um, it'll it'll come easier for the records people to to allow to actually have it happen to implement it. But I think we need to look at. Um, I go back to that spiraling amount of information. I think records and records managers need to really look at what sort of information are we managing and how important and what the value of that information is to the organisation. And that also comes back, George, about the security as well. Because, And I think records managers need to be involved in that at that level. I think we worry too much about low-level, mundane, stock standard type stuff that's got a short lifespan. Do you know what I mean? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. We should be focusing on high value, high high or vital types or high risk records, more so than the you know the stock standard stuff that just comes in day and day day in day out. And um, and this is even compounded by the fact, and I, for anyone who 
is listening to this episode who is not in Australia or New Zealand, that these two countries have some of the strictest information governance laws on the planet, right? So the fact that there is a a sort of a legal kind of sword of Damocles hanging overhead, it, it seems that it would compel records managers to be more proactive because an inquiry could come at any moment. Yeah, know. happens all the time. Happens all the time. And that's and that, that's this sounds terrible, but can I tell you that's when records people are really important and they're really respected and the credibility comes into play when there's a, a major inquiry in place or a, a, a royal commission or whatever it is. We've had um, some children's services um, royal commissions of recent here in mm-hmm. Queensland as well as across Australia. Can I tell you, records staff are now the most important people in, in, in the universe because they need to produce what's required. It's unfortunate that when sort of disasters or major issues like that occur, that's when records are actually recognised, records people are recognised. So there's, there's goods out of it as well. Again, I, what I have seen over my time is that um, when those types of, and I'm going to call them disasters, when they happen, um, the records people do maintain the credibility and they're looked upon very differently within the organisation and it escalates them up into the hierarchy. Is there a tension in that proactive versus reactive response? I think we've I think we've established it's kind of a two-way street, right? The organization at large needs to kind of respect or, or reimagine records rather than sort of the lowest rung, but the records people also have to step up. And but but is there is there some sort of like cultural inertia in the industry about, you know, keeping quiet or being more real? So I'm trying to figure out what that Absolutely. is. Traditionally, I mean, I don't know where, where you are, you guys are, but where we are traditionally, the, as I said, the records people were deemed um, probably introverted, um, mm-hmm. you know, very organized, you know, they're very anal OCD type people, you know, mm-hmm. that like to keep things in order. And, and don't get me wrong, those skills are needed because that's what records management's about about you know grouping and classifying that sort of thing as i said to to actually get them out of the basement let's call it that they needed to we needed extroverts and marketing skills and being able to present and be confident and i think and i'm going to be honest i think the most important skill that you can have and that's not a skill but it's a personality trait is passion they need to be passionate for what they do just to be thrown in to do this um to be you know just to made to do records management is and if it's not your thing it's not your forte well then you never it's it's not sexy to you so so i find it's very sexy records management is quite sexy to me and it should be to all organizations it's pretty sexy because without it information's power and knowledge and it's an asset which still hasn't got a value as we all know but i'm sure it's highly valuable um but it's hard to actually put a value to it as i'm talking a dollar figure but it's just it's just so important because they can't function. And as I said, it's till a disaster occurs or something of some inquiry or some major issue occurs, it's not when they start to realise it. They realise how important that records and information management is. So indeed. Yeah, I think we have a curious case very recently of um, a, a city in Australia. Um, archiving their social media conversations, right? And you can actually see in January, the city gets, you know, between November and January, an average of 2.25 messages a month on their Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, March through the present is 557 messages a day. And this is because city hall was shut down so people couldn't call. But I'm curious, um, and this is a pure hypothesis, but, you know, as Australia reopens, 
it's yep. sort of hard for me to imagine that people who suddenly got used to just being able to ping their request, here's a pothole on this street on Facebook, that they're going to go back to the to the phone system, right? I feel like once that door is open, it's going to become an issue for other city managers because it's sort of a precedent has been set. Totally agree, George. I think that's across the board. It's not just even in our industry. I think Pete, you're right. We're very, like you said, you mentioned we're very adaptable, and we get quite used to things fairly quickly. So we're, we're actually overall we're pretty good with the change. I mean, it was forced upon us. We had to. But it's no different to, I was talking to people the other day that own gyms and they've got major concerns because over the last eight weeks, people have been not paying gym fees and doing their own PT or gym classes in their own homes or with, you know, not Mm -hmm. supposedly, but with a friend or whatever it may be. I've spoken to that many people that have said that they're no longer going to pay those, you know, 10, 20, 30, $50 a week fees anymore because they don't need to and the other thing is obviously the economy is a bit no one knows where that is going as well so it's everyone's saving money but you're spot on in the sense of why would I bother now sitting on a phone and waiting for someone to answer my call when I can just ping like the pothole or the dogs barking or the whatever it is very easily through social media and the good thing about it is it's fairly accessible it doesn't matter what age group you're in as long as you're got some sort of technology um, experience, even on your phone. I mean, even the the older generation can use their phones and use apps, which is what's been introduced here from a lot of of government, especially local government. It's an app basically where you can literally stand at the pothole, George, and take the photo and just click the button and send it to them and that's it, you're done. Do you know what I mean? That's not a hard thing to do. Yeah, I am. I am very intrigued by your def, your definition here that, uh, or a, a reframing of it. It's not records; it is fundamentally information. And I think that's what we've been talking to other companies about from a security perspective. That those conversations between employees or between employees and vendors, there is IP there, right? Those conversations contain information that's critical to your business, whether it's just an agreement to pay a fee, or you know some other. Uh, a more abstract discussion. And so if you can think about the information as the wealth, you know, records managers are the, you know, the safe keepers or the lock pickers, depending on the need. Yeah. Look, those, those words all get intertwined all the time. I mean, if we think about there's records, there's knowledge, there's document management, there's data management. And you know what? You can go and speak at a many, many different conferences and everyone's got a different interpretation. I mean, they're all around about the same, but everyone's got a bit of a different interpretation of what they are. Um, I like to use information because I think it covers the broad spectrum, spectrum overall, to be honest. And it's really hard to describe. That's the biggest thing about I hate trying to tell people what's a record when I'm talking to tell people the users because they just don't get it. They Everything they do, all the information they deal with to them is records. That's what they think. Right. All records are information. So I've stopped and I keep trying to explain to organisations, stop trying to define all this stuff. Just manage information. Manage it across the board, irrelevant whether it's a record or data or knowledge or whatever. Just manage it across the board. Don't make your users or don't try and get your users to just distinguish which one it is to put it into a different system. It doesn't work that way because uh, they won't do it. It's as simple as that. Um, records managers over the, and I've seen it over the last five years, are starting to think and get, stop trying to make the user or the staff um, 
a records person or I really okay with records. First of all, that I care. Secondly, it's a skill set that I think we is really un, undervalued and unappreciated. It's a real skill set to be able to, to actually work in records and be able to do effective classification and retention and disposal and all those traditional records think type roles. Um, and we're trying to put this out to the users and devolve this type, this task out there and try to teach them to be that. And that's not effective, it hasn't been effective. I mean, the uptake of systems and the ability to apply effective security and all that sort of stuff, George, is, is fairly low when you start putting it in the hands of everyone and not mm -hmm. have it focused in a group, in my opinion. So what we need to do is we need to just make it really seamless or as seamless as we can and as transparent as we can for the capture of this information into systems and, and, a, and the application of security and retention and all the rest of it. And hopefully that the records people, the specialists in the back end, they fix it up, I suppose, for want of a better word. They map it and they deal with it and they get it to managed correctly. Yeah. So let's, not, let's not impose on the user. The user doesn't care about that. They want it easy, quick, easy. That's why people use network drives, what we call network drives or the file server or yeah. whatever. You, it's, you can't, can't get in the way of the user or the experience. No, sure. no. but we've tried. Records people tried for years to go, oh, we're going to get you to do the classification and you've got to pick the right <laughs> the right activity and the right so and they, can I say they don't care yeah. they'll just pick it that they just don't care yeah. so yeah flogging a dead horse is my opinion we're just let, let's move on records people and let's go with the business needs and work around it so brilliant uh, well that is a, a perfect spot to to wrap things up stick with the business needs um yeah. thank you very much again for taking the time uh it's been a pleasure no, my pleasure's mine. Thank you. It's been lovely talking to you both. Thanks for joining. And that does it for another episode of the Zero Hour brought to you by Safeguard Cyber. As always, we are grateful to Abby Bruce for sound design and production, Matthias Cefaletti for our theme music, and to our guests for lending their precious time and their expertise and insights. Um, I just want to say during this challenging time, that we are grateful also to the first responders and the men and women in the hospitals on the front line. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay strong, y'all. We'll be back. We will return with another episode soon, but until then, this is the Zero Hour signing off. Mm -hmm.